And behold, a Canaanite woman was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. A Canaanite woman. A couple weeks ago, I got around to filling out the 2020 census form online for the household. If you've done that, you know about halfway through the questionnaire, there's a question about race and ethnicity. There's five or six boxes from which you can choose. Um, African-American, Native American, white, a few others. There is not a box for Canaanite. There's a spot for other where you could write in uh, your race and ethnicity if you preferred, um, but I doubt that many write in Canaanite these days. Nor, it may surprise you, in Jesus' day. If Caesar Augustus census, the one we hear about every Christmas, included a question about race and ethnicity with several boxes, there would not have been one there for Canaanite, and no one would have written it in. And that is because by Jesus' day, there was no one, to use today's language, who identified as a Canaanite. Of course, you uh, Old Testament scholars out there, you know who the Canaanites are. Um, you know the Canaanites as those ancestral foes of God's people, the, the infidels who occupied the land that God promised to Abraham and his descendants circa 2000 B.C. Uh, you know them as the, the, the folks with hideous customs and savage gods whom Joshua and the gang, circa 1400 B.C., were supposed to drive out when they got to that promised land, a a driving out that they never quite completed, so that for some time the Canaanites remained a thorn in Israelite sides. But by the time Jesus came on the scene, all that was ancient history. There were no more. Canaanites. No one called themselves that. And so, to identify this woman as a Canaanite, even though she was from a region once known as as Canaan, it's kind of an insult. In fact, maybe to to teach you a new word, if you don't know this one, it's a dysphemism. (laughs) You probably know the the word euphemism. That's when you rename something uh, to make it sound better. So uh, a garbage man becomes a, a sanitation engineer or someone who's unemployed, we say they're between jobs, or uh, if someone is on the larger side, they're gravitationally gifted. (laughs) Uh, A euphemism. Dysphemism is the opposite of that. When you rename something to put a negative spin on it, usually in a not-so-slightly-offensive way, so that a psychiatric hospital becomes a loony bin or something like that. I won't give you any other examples of dysphemisms because I like I said and like that one, they're all at least a little bit offensive. The worst ones circle around sexuality and and race and ethnicity. And so to call this woman a Canaanite, something that was not an accurate description of a person for for perhaps a a thousand years, it's a a dysphemism. (laughs) A little tip of the hat, I think, to let us know it's what Jesus' disciples are thinking when they saw this woman, a hideous, savage Canaanite, 
thinking I say because polite people like the disciples and you and me generally keep our dysphemisms to ourselves or maybe let them out with a smirk if we're in just the right company. But hideous Canaanite is what the disciples are thinking even though they won't admit it. And that's important. It's important for us to see what's going on with this run-in between Jesus and this Canaanite woman and what Jesus wants us and the disciples to see and acknowledge through her. Just a little background. Before this scene, Jesus has had one of his many run-ins with the Pharisees. Boo hiss. Everyone hates the Pharisees. This particular occasion, he's, he's, uh, he's laying into them for the way they're drawing circles around the people who are really on God's side, really favored by God, circles and outside of which there is no, uh, none of God's grace, particularly on the issue of, of washing hands. So you have to wash your hands just right, have the right kind of ritual cleaning before you eat, or else you're outside of the, the circle of God's grace, to which Jesus responds to paraphrase, that's just stupid. <laughs> God doesn't care about hands, he cares about hearts. Come unto me, all you with filthy hands, and I will cleanse you from the inside out. And the disciples, they're standing right there, and they absolutely love it. Because everybody loves it when Jesus sticks it to the boo-hiss Pharisees. Way to get them, Jesus. Way to get those bigoted Pharisees. They don't get it. How dare they make the kingdom of God into a, a clean hands club. Way to stick it to them. Make them squirm, Jesus. And then immediately after that, behold, a Canaanite woman. You see what this is? It's a test for the disciples and ultimately for us. Yes, Says, those Jesus, says Jesus. Those Pharisees are really good at drawing their circles. Boo his. But how about you, disciples? Do you have no grace for you circles too? How about this Canaanite? And don't be scandalized by the fact that I said Canaanite, maybe Jesus thinking, I know it's what's in your hearts. Is she inside the circle or out? You think you get it. But do you really? (laughs) I was thinking about this. You think you get it, but do you really thing? uh, Watching a movie with my family this past week, um, Remember the Titans. Maybe some of you have watched it. It's the perfect film for our family because it's got some good drama and famous actors, but it's also about football. (laughs) So, like, there's something for everybody there. Uh, if you don't know the movie, it's 20 years old now, um, but it's, it's about the uh, T.C. Williams uh, football, high school football team in Alexandria, Virginia, 1971, a recently integrated uh, school. And part of the integration um, after a few years was replacing the longtime football coach, white guy, Bill Yost, with new coach, Herman Boone, played by Denzel Washington, black guy. And there's lots of fuss about that. People quit up in arms and all these sorts of things. But Yost, Yost, surprisingly, he's he's pretty gracious about it all. He takes the demotion from head coach, becomes the, uh, I guess he's the uh, the offense or the defensive coordinator. Um, He's he's going along. He has a good relationship with with Boone. He likes the fact that two players, um, uh, Jerry and Julius, have become, become great friends. Um, 
he's the progressive guy, maybe a little bit proud of the fact of how well he is getting it and going along with the, with the, way, the way things are. Until, until one night, Yost's uh, 11-year-old daughter is at Boone's house playing, and a brick comes flying through the window. The whole family's terrified. The, the, the kids just apoplectic and tears, hysterical. It's crazy. Fortunately, it didn't escalate beyond that. The, the people who uh, threw, the, threw the brick just sped away with some, some racist slurs and dysphemisms. Well, the next day, the next day, Yost confronts, confronts Boone, and he is angry. He is angry. He says, how dare you let your sinful pride You just can't keep your mouth shut. You have to rile everyone up. How dare you let your sinful pride endanger my daughter? To which Boone, after a second pause, quietly says, I'm sorry about what happened to your daughter. I really am. But maybe you got a small taste of what my girls go through every day. Welcome to my world, Yost. Of course, Yost is stunned into silence. He can't say a word. He thinks he gets it. Stick it to those boo-hiss racists who are all concerned about a, a football coach. But then when it comes close, when it affects his family, he reverts back almost reflexively, blaming Boo. The story about the Canaanite woman is, is kind of a test like that. It's a test the disciples fail. They're fine hanging with some dirty-handed Jews, but a filthy Canaanite? Yuck. She she, she comes by, and and they snap at Jesus. Send her away. They're completely deaf and blind to the pain in her plea for her daughter because to them, she is subhuman. She doesn't even feel like they do. But this woman, this woman, she alone gets how wide is this circle of God's grace. When the disciples snap with, with nary a please, she addresses Jesus at least three times as Lord. Lord, have mercy. Lord, help me. Yes, Lord, even the dogs, she says. And I think when she says dogs, she looks at the disciples, even though she's talking to Jesus, and says, yes, Lord, even the dogs, as if to say to the disciples, I know that's what you're thinking about me. You see me as a dog, but I'm talking to him. Yes, even the dogs receive the crumbs that fall from their master's table, which is her way of saying, Jesus, you are my master. I'm inside your circle. Jesus concurs. Woman, no longer Canaanite or dog, but woman, great is your faith. Woman, daughter of Eve, beautiful child of God, great is your faith. You get it. Your daughter's healed. The disciples, they get tested and fail. They think they get it, congratulate themselves for how great they get it. Things get complicated, and then not so much. And what does any of that have to do with you and with me? Well, let's just say that a lot of us are being tested these days. At least I think I am. 
tested to see how widely we draw our circles. I mean, of course, we are grace people. Lutherans, we are the first ones on the grace train. Volume goes way up when Eric riffs on amazing grace. Grace is why you're here today, because you cannot live without it. Nothing, nowhere, no one outside of Jesus. Massive mercy, boundless love, unfathomable forgiveness. And all the people, well, if we weren't Lutherans, all the people would say amen and amen. But then the test. I see something scrolling through Facebook. Right, I I hear of some folks at a protest I would not attend, doing some things and spouting some stuff I would not do or spout. Reflex response, disgusting. Someone flouting what you hold dear and the dysphemisms fill your mind, bunch of filthy Canaanites. And it's just like that too. Before you have a chance to check yourself with the politeness, the gut reaction, the head shake, and a reflexive countenance that makes it look like you just smelled something foul. And it's those first reactions that matter so much. I see it in myself. If I had a mirror, I'm sure I'd actually see it, and you might, you might too. Up here, I know all about the no one outside of God's grace circle. But then the test case. And the first thing I see, we see, at least too often, is not the beautiful child of God, like me, like me, hungry, starving for the grace he can give, and only he can give. But like the disciples, I draw the circle, fail the test, and I see, we see, oh, Canaanite. So what do we do? What can be done to start to undo the all-too-common, graceless reflexes? Well, there are things. We can be honest with ourselves. We might even recognize that we are all someone else's Canaanite. (laughs) That some people look at you and me and reflexively go, yuck. Or perhaps you invite a Canaanite to have coffee and a conversation or two or 50 and realize, despite the many things that separate you, the different ways you vote, the different posts you like, you're mostly the same. The same kind of fears, both exhausted, trying to keep up appearances, both do anything for your sick daughters, both starving for grace in a mostly graceless world. But beyond that, what can we do, at least to begin, to cleanse our minds and free our hearts of the dysphemisms? Well, for that people of God, there's only one thing, and it's not something you do at all. For a radical healing like that, there is only the inexhaustible grace of God, and the almost too good to be true, but actually truer than anything else, good news, that when God looks at you, the very first thing he does is smile. 
that looking at you, God's divine gut reaction is to have compassion for you, to long to embrace you, that despite all the reasons that he has for slapping you with a dysphemism, damned, condemned, filthy, your God absolutely excels at the euphemism. (laughs) And when he renames, it's not just words, it's reality. Some of God's euphemisms, the dirty, he calls clean. The lost, he stamps found. The worthless, priceless, dead in sin, alive in Christ, disobedient, forgiven, guilty, justified, feel like the scum of the earth, I hereby christen you the apple of his eye. All you lost and condemned by the power of the crucified and risen euphemizer, your name tag now reads, Hello, my name is Purchased and Won. Not with gold or silver, but with the holy and precious blood of Jesus. For dear cleansed, found, priceless, forgiven, and forever alive, your Jesus, he is the new and greater Joshua who has pulled off a conquest old Joshua and the gang never could have imagined. Instead of driving out the Canaanites, he heals them and calls them. He renames them. He euphemizes Canaanites. He renames you and me daughters and sons of the living God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.